1: You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on
0: Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk all about NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day. And what a takeover it was. It's amazing. That company just knows how to reload and they did that in a big way. Last night with NXT TakeOver. Also, we go back to Saturday and no surrender from Impact Wrestling with the guy who is in the main event, our very own Tommy Dreamer, right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Johnny Gargano against Kushida for the NXT North American Championship. Bully, I mean, wow. I, I mean, re- seriously, wow. What a great match between those two
1: last night. I might have given that match the edge in match of the night I know we're gonna get to Balor and Dunn which was a phenomenal match with great psychology but man Kushida and Gargano Oof. really great um, you know how I talked about in the first match if they really wanted to protect Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez all she had to do was hit her finish i'm sorry if they wanted to protect shotzi mm-hmm. all raquel had to do was hit her finish twice and it would have been fine what was the finish of gargano and Kushida? what were the last two moves the D- tis ddt ddt on the ramp ddt in the ring yeah one two three that's exactly what i'm talking about from the first match You don't have to have two women cover anybody. But getting back to Johnny and Kushida, excellent. It was excellent. Johnny is hitting a certain stride over there where, you know how I talk about, Dave, when I see guys work and it's effortless because they're not thinking at all? That's what I see in Johnny. Johnny is so cool, calm, and collected, Within his game, he knows the match. He's not worried about uh, memorizing a match or remembering a match. He's going out there, and he's performing. He's going out there, and he's working. And listen, I I was lucky enough to see Kushida working in New Japan long before he ever got to NXT. I know how talented that guy is. And man, last night, those guys came together, caught some lightning in a bottle, put on a fantastic match um enjoyed every last bit of it and i don't think there is anything that we can nitpick on that match and i don't look to nitpick i only nitpick the things that are a bit glaring to me um what a fun match
0: it really was and it was a, it was a classic and i love what you said about the finish there's no shame Uh, and losing to getting hit by Gargano's DDT outside the ring and then inside the ring. I don't think anybody watched that match and thought like, oh my God, Kushida. Like, what do you do with that guy now? I think everybody looks at Kushida a lot differently after that match because of what they were able to do for over 25 minutes in the ring. And Bully, I can't agree with you more about Johnny Gargano. I actually tweeted out like, this guy is Mr. Takeover. You know, they call Shawn Michaels Mr. WrestleMania. Johnny Gargano is Mr. Takeover. Because it is flawless. Like what that guy is able to do in the ring is flawless, and it makes you forget. It makes he makes it look so easy. Like it's it's unbelievable, Randy Orton esque how easy he makes what he's able to do in the ring, and it's phenomenal. And I love even and and I can't tell right now where we're. While we're going through this pandemic, Bully, I don't know what what are real chants and what are not real chants. I don't know what's actually coming from the live crowd and what's being piped in. But that crowd noise during that match would have been the crowd noise that you would have heard if that was at a takeover in front of 15,000 fans. Like, the impression that that fan base had of Johnny Gargano. You heard the Johnny wrestling chants during that match. Like, Johnny Gargano's the heel. Kushida's the baby face. That's who you should be be behind. But when you have a performance like that, you're going to get the appreciation from the crowd like you heard last
1: night. And we're we're piling a bunch of praise on Gargano. Let's not forget about Kushida because it takes two to tango and you yeah. can't do what those two did last night without a dance partner that's as good or as great as you. And Kushida is. I, for me, I'm starting to see the Kushida that I was used to seeing in New Japan wrestling with a little bit more of an American-style psychology attached to him you can't watch a match like that and not just be blown away and you talked I think you said mentioned something about people complaining that maybe the wrong guy won or they would like to have seen Kushida go over you know, I put a poll up after the show was over about whether you liked the show or not. I think it was like 91% said yeah, yes. it's ridiculous, yeah. And and 9% said no. But some of the people who said no were like, I said no because the people that I picked didn't win. Yeah, I mean, that's oh. a horrible reason to choose no. <laughs> horrible reason. Um, or thumbs down, whatever. But... uh I don't look at, when I watch a match like Kushida and Gargano, nobody lost to me. Both of those guys took a step forward. The fans obviously won because they got a phenomenal match like that. And not only is Johnny doing a great job in the ring, but outside the ring with Candace. Like, I saw something that him and Candace posted, I guess, on social media with them doing some stuff from home with their dog. It's like a little Q&A session for Valentine's Day. Very entertaining, the way him and his wife play off of each other and uh, their delivery and their cadence. So across the board, um, that whole Gargano click that he's got going on, and then obviously once he gets in the ring, nothing but great things to say about him.
0: Yeah, and you know, going back to your poll, because I, I went back and read some of the comments as well, another one that always gets me, and I know we talked about this before, which I completely don't understand, Yeah, it was a it was a good show, but no title changes like what? Well, I mean, like, dude, so that's going to make you like or dislike a show is because there's no title changes. That makes absolutely no sense. You had two final matches for a tournament. Like, do you really need title changes when like a title change should be something that's
1: extremely special? Doesn't need to happen on every single show for crying out loud. Uh, I have no I've seen people post that for many different shows I don't know why a title change makes a difference on whether or not a show is good or not I would never vote that show last night thumbs down just because my guys didn't go over or there were no title changes Don't understand it, but it's indicative of the wrestling world that we live in today where wrestling fans are programmed to dislike unless they're getting exactly what they want and what they want sometimes is not good for the masses or for the show or for the stories that are trying to be told last night was a was a great night for NXT and I would and I actually feel bad at times for the talent down there because one of the things we always talk about is the ratings last week's ratings for both shows was not good. I don't. Yeah, NXT a cool...
0: was exceptionally poor. Like it's only in the five hundreds last week. But yeah, you know, like again... five,
1: like five sixty to seven forty one yeah. or something like that. Those are not strong ratings, folks, at all. Okay, I don't look at that as well. One show beat another. My point is, I feel bad for the NXT talent because I see that effort being fought, f- put forth in the ring. Not that the AEW talent doesn't try extremely hard. I see the effort put forth in psychology, selling, registering, the art of professional wrestling and making this look the way it's supposed to look. Meanwhile, it seems like they can't catch a break. So if I'm a talent going out there and I'm busting my ass, I want to see a little bit of return on my investment of uh, going out there and tearing the house down, and they're not exactly getting it Hopefully, if people saw TakeOver last night, it'll encourage them to watch uh, the the Wednesday night show. Well, they should be proud. I mean, everybody
0: who competed in that that show last night should be extremely proud of themselves because they, I mean, the effort obviously was there, but the matches were classics, I think. Uh, And even before it started, even before we got TakeOver to start in the pre-show, Eli Drake shows up and now LA Knight and... He is now a part of the NXT roster. Um, Man, Eli Drake has been a guest on this show before. I've praised him up and down, whether it was in TNA or NWA. I always felt like that guy was always on the cusp of something, but I always felt was never used in the right way. Probably of, of all the organizations he was with, NWA probably used him more than a lot of the other organizations he was with in his career. Um, Good to see him sign with NXT, and I'm really excited how they're going to use L.A. Knight moving forward for that
1: show. L.A. Knight, Eli Drake, incredible ability on the microphone. Very good talker. Very witty. Very quick. Great promo guy. Good in the ring. I think he's going to be a good addition to NXT. Once they carve out his character and we see what he can do, because uh, his promo skills, like I said, exceptional, really, really good. No matter anytime I've seen him on the mic, he he, uh, he far exceeds anything and everything I was expecting. In the ring, like I always say, all you gotta be is okay, good, fair. Because if your promo skills are that great, that'll carry you all the way through. Um, NXT's work rate is way up there, so he's going to have to bring it. He hasn't been wrestling. He hasn't been in that ring in a long time. It's been a while. So so this is the beauty of the Performance Center, getting in there, moving around, rolling around, knocking that rust off, and getting better at what you do.
0: And he was somebody with TNA right in that um, that transition from TNA to Impact, like right at the end of the Dixie Carter reign. And for a couple of months there, he was carrying that show on his back, I thought. Like... It was really his promo skills and the skits that they used him for that were must-see TV on that show. So as long as they give him, and and obviously NXT will do that, um, you know, with his promo work, they'll give him that freedom, I I believe, Uh, maybe even tone it up a little bit as well. I'm expecting some big things. Now, I know you're not an age guy, but when you look at NXT, they call NXT the quote-unquote developmental show. You know, Eli Drake is 38, so... You know, I'm interested to see how long he's going to be a part of NXT before they may move
1: him on to the main roster. I always talk about how NXT has the hardest job out of anybody because uh Hunter's got two guns to his head. He's got the one gun of the Wednesday night wars and the rating with AEW. His other gun to his head is Vince McMahon's because he never knows when Raw or SmackDown or Vince is gonna pluck talent from NXT. They try to give them a, as much of a heads up as possible. If Vince were to call him this t- today on Monday morning and say we want you know whoever Johnny Gargano, well it's, that that's it. It's a done deal. Um, Hunter is trying to replenish the talent. Look, so he went outside of uh, uh of of the company this time instead of building somebody up like they're doing with their younger tag teams. He went and he found a guy that is exceptional on the microphone in L.A. Night. Uh, it should. It should work out. Um, I don't know why it wouldn't. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, do you think NXT has a more difficult job than any other company right now?
0: Oh, of course. We talked about this last week because, you know, at some point, you're building up a superstar to now leave your show and go to another show. I mean, that's right. going to happen. And, and that's why I bring up Eli Drake. I'm, I keep calling him Eli Drake. He's LA night now, but LA night is not somebody that's going to, I don't think is going to be with NXT for a long time. I mean, when I look at LA night, I look at somebody that Vince McMahon is going to fall in love with. Like you just mentioned about how great he is on the microphone. His personality and character, I think, far exceeds what he's able to do in the ring. And that's not taking away what that guy could do in the ring. But you always say, you know, when it comes to Vince McMahon, you know, he doesn't like just the wrestlers. He wants he, – it's sports entertainment. He wants personality. He wants character. That's LA Knight. So I would be really shocked if we're talking about LA Knight six months from now. I think this is going to be a short run with NXT. And
1: sooner rather than later, he's going to find himself on Raw or SmackDown. Well, that's a little uh, th- that sounds a little quick, but we'll see. Um, he won't be with NXT this time next year. How about that? I will say this. I think he also has a unique backstage personality that will need coaching and culturing if he's ever going to survive on that main roster. But you know what, Bully? We've heard that about a
0: lot of wrestlers that have gone to NXT, a lot of wrestlers that have gone on to NXT from outside. You know, I've heard things, And again, I just hear things. I'm not saying that these are facts, but you hear things, you know, through the grapevine. Oh, this this person could be a little difficult or this person's got a bit of an ego, blah, blah, blah. But it seems to snap in line once they get to NXT. NXT has built a culture. With themselves, you see this with winning organizations, right? You hear about that with Bill Belichick and the Patriots, or or the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's a culture about that team, uh, a winning attitude, where they can take players that have maybe had uh, mishaps on other teams, and then they go there and they find, oh wow, they find a way to fit in with the roster, to fit in with the team,
1: and go on and win Super Bowls. I didn't say anything about him fitting in with NXT. I was saying if you ever, you were moving him up to the main roster very quick. What I'm saying is there are some personality traits that he will have to be WWE-ized. Okay. And, uh, you know, reprogrammed to the WWE, WWE way of doing things, speaking uh, their version of political correctness. So. It's better off if he spends some time in NXT, and then when you know you're absolutely positive, then you move him up. Well,
0: this is an interesting point by you, Bully, because I remember Finn Balor talking about this years ago, about moving from New Japan to the WWE. And not so much about, like, an attitude or a culture or about, you know, hey, we do things a certain way, but just... The fact that it's truly a TV product with the WWE. You, you have to be aware of where the cameras are. You have to be, you have to know where you need to be when it's time for a commercial break. Like, those are little things that probably a viewer takes for granted that really has to completely change the way that you do things in the ring with the WWE.
1: Absolutely. You you have to learn the WWE way of doing things because the WWE There is no other way of doing things. This is why I say that talent that comes up in the WWE system that only knows the WWE could run into problems if they're not ever working for the WWE anymore because you're just used to that way. People that have traveled the world before they get to the WWE and have all of that time and knowledge and seasoning under their belt, tend to fare better within the company than those who are, you know, brought up in the system and then have to leave it. I've seen talent who have only worked for the WWE leave and then have to go fend for themselves on the outside who have not done well at all.
0: And and we've heard, I mean, we've had Cody on this show soon after he left the WWE because he was brought up in that WWE way. And when you go on the indie scene and you're wrestling for the indie scene, in a lot of ways, it's like things that may have been done for you, you know how you now have to do for yourself. Not saying that you can't do it, but it's a, it's a bit of a wake-up call, and, and understandably so, too, Bully. You're used to a certain way for years and being trained a certain way, and it's a, it's a lot different once you get outside that bubble of the WWE.
1: Considerably different the machine takes care of everything for you And when you leave the machine you have to take care of everything on your own and for yourself
0: Hey everyone, this is Kirk Morrison. This is Greg McElroy. And this is Nate Burleson. With the 2020 NFL season finally upon us, we're excited to announce three new NFL podcasts from SiriusXM. On Total Coverage, we'll explore the hows
2: and the whys behind the week's biggest results. On Inside the Pocket, we will go under the helmet for all the
0: quarterbacks in the NFL. And on 17 weeks, Jamal Adams, Emmanuel Sanders, and Eric Ebron will discuss the latest NFL stories straight from the locker room. New episodes of all three podcasts will be available every week on the SiriusXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get into the men's final in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, MSK and the Grizzled Young Veterans. I love the story that they told, that the Grizzled Young Veterans were here last year, not able to finish the job, and MSK, the upstart tag team that are kind of the quote-unquote indie guys. uh, Wade Barrett did a phenomenal job telling that story before that match took place, and uh, one hell of
1: a match between those two teams last night, Bully. Very exciting match. But I know this is a match that you had an issue with. So what was let's get your issue out of the way first. Okay. And and I tweeted about this and I got hammered
0: on Twitter, which I'm fine. I'm just giving my opinions. But watching that match, it's like I just all I did was make the comment. All I said is they should just get rid of the tag rope. That's all I said. I didn't call out a team. I didn't call a particular match. All I said was, at this point, they should get rid of the tag rope. And then everybody, you're nitpicking, you're an AEW home. I, I All I said was, at this point, they should get rid of the tag rope. Because quite honestly, Bully, whether I'm watching NXT or AEW or pro wrestling in general, they should get rid of the tag rope because they don't use the tag rope. They use it sometimes. Now, let me start by saying this. I grew up, when it came to tag team wrestling, to make it a quote-unquote official tag, you had to be holding on to the tag rope. Had, your, your arm that you tagged in with had to be over the top rope, right? That's how, that was like what a quote-unquote official tag. What's an official tag now, bully? I, I, I'm I being honest here. I have no idea, no, no, zero
1: idea what an official tag is anymore. I totally understand where you're coming from, Um If tag team wrestling has been around for a 100 years, and for a 100 years, guys and gals have been using the tag rope, so why do we have to stop using the tag rope now? It's not okay to get away from the fundamentals and the foundation of this performance art known as professional wrestling and sports entertainment. The tag rope is there for a reason. I don't think it's nitpicking at all. I think it's lazy if you don't use the tag rope. I also think it's lazy by fans to tell you that you're nitpicking. If anything, you're pointing out a glaring issue. If you if you don't if you don't want your performers to hold the tag rope, then get rid of the tag rope. Yeah. Just make the new rule that you have to be standing in the corner near the turnbuckle. Tag ropes are there for a reason, and they should be utilized. I think that wrestling has gotten to the point where, all right, if we don't necessarily have one hand on the rope and one hand outstretched, we'll use a little bit of creative license, and if the guy or the gal is in the corner, we'll allow it to happen. But yes, I agree with you. And it's amazing how I, I, I look at the people who do complain about stuff like that, and I believe that they grow. They have grown up in a world of no accountability and nothing matters, and you should not complain about anything unless you are complaining about the same things that they want to complain about, which is a major problem in pro wrestling and an even more major problem in society. But we're not getting into that conversation. Exciting match between these two young teams. Um... Despite the fact that there seemed to be a lot of chaos at the end with guys coming in the ring and out of the ring, and you didn't know, you know, did you not know who was legal? I I was able to follow it because I thought the ref in this match did a good job of if somebody went for a cover, the legal guy pinned the legal guy. If there was a save, he then got up, counted the illegal guy, made him get out, then made the legal guy and illegal guy tag exciting tag team match, fun tag team match. Uh glad to see MSK the younger guys go over. There was one part of the match that once again uh didn't really make sense and I and I talk about this all the time. Uh MSK did an amazing diving No, no, I'm sorry. It was the young vets. They're the ones that did the doomsday device, correct? Yes. Grizzled Young Vets did an amazing diving doomsday device to the floor on one of the MSK guys.
0: Wesley, I believe.
1: Okay. I was very happy to see the guy sell for as long as he did because he sold for about 90 seconds to two minutes. He sold for a while, yeah. Yeah. Before he finally came in and got back involved in the uh, action, and like nothing happened.
0: Pin. Too, by the way, I wish, I wish. That, I mean, again, I know it sounds like, but I wish you, you know, could sell. Even though you're back up on the ring, April you could still
1: sell what just took place. Ninety he seconds. He kind of did, Dave. He okay. kind of did. Okay, he did a little bit because the minute he came back in the ring, I'm like, he's back in the ring after a Doomsday device on the floor. I mean, to me, that's something that takes you out of the match completely. He came back in, he did a little something, he stumbled, he sold a little bit, got his composure back before they hit the finish. Um, th- there was also a, a, a moment in the match, and I want to compare this to something that I said last week so you 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 have a better understanding of what I was talking about. Remember the women's match on AEW with Layla Hirsch yes. and, and um, Thunder Rosa? Mm-hmm. We were talking about Layla Hirsch going for the same move twice, missing the same move twice. And I said that makes a young baby face look a little stupid. And you're like, yeah, but shouldn't she shouldn't she be missing that stuff? She shouldn't be as that smart yet. I said, if you miss once, it's one thing. If you miss twice, it makes you look it makes you look stupid. Last night, one of the MSK guys hit one of those round off back handspring hatchet kicks. Do you remember seeing that? Yes, I do. I love it, the explanation, it, too. Whatever whatever it's called, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, it was like a backflip, handspring, and then a flipping hatchet kick to one of the, uh, the guys on Grizzled uh, Young Vets. And it worked for a two-count, or it worked for something. Thus, he went back to it and tried to use it again because it worked the first time. That's when it backfired on him. So the baby face went to go use the, ma- the, the move twice. But the second time, the heel was smart enough to counter it. That's when you're pr- utilizing the move properly. I just wanted to bring that forward so you understood what I was talking about. No, last but, I,
0: but I think we're on the same leg, leg, uh, wavelength with that. Because, again, MSK is a team that's been around for a while. Even though they're new to NXT, they've been around for a while. They're a great tag team. And they're in a, a finals match. So I expect them to be smartened up to what they need to do in order to win. That's what my, my thing about Hirsch was. This is a first-round match. He's only been wrestling for a very short time. So I can see being a little overzealous about doing something where you get ahead of yourself, and even though you failed the first time, you may be confident enough to go to the second time. That's why you're losing a first-round match as opposed to being in a finals match like we saw with MSK.
1: But in the world of pro wrestling where you can protect yourself from looking foolish, you only want to do it once. I enjoyed seeing the guys from MSK uh, do it twice last night. Um, Exciting match, Dave. Another really strong match on a really strong pay-per-view last night.
0: We have the Undisputed Era and Finn Balor kind of posing in the middle of that ring. And then Cole hits Finn Balor with the super kick and then hits Kyle O'Reilly with the super kick and leaves Roderick Strong just puzzled in the middle of that ring. And then Adam Cole at the top of that entrance ramp just looking down on just a complete confusion at the end of that match. What a way to end a
1: takeover. I gotta tune into uh to uh, nxt on wednesday night they're making me tune in i want to see what the follow-up is i want to see what's going to happen next and i and i encourage more people to tune into nxt because i believe they are telling great stories and giving you great in-ring action I I encourage, I actually, let me take that back. I encourage everybody to watch everything.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I really do. I, I, again, I go back to NXT and AEW consistently having the two best shows of the week in pro wrestling. And uh, I'd like to see uh, the viewership go a little bit higher. And because I really do think it's better than anything going on right now. But that's beside the point. Beside the point is that we are getting great stories. We are getting great moments. Um, and I think both AEW and NXT deliver those great matches and great moments on a consistent basis. And when you look at NXT right now, Adam Cole, baby, you forgot about me. You're thinking you're thinking about Finn. You're thinking about Karrion Cross. You're thinking about all these. Don't
1: forget about me. He made a statement at the end of that show last night. And with all of the great wrestling that we saw last night, the great matches, what did you leave the show thinking about? You're thinking about uh, Cole Adam and Cole. the Undisputed Era. And here's the thing, bully. Now let me ask you this: What if that would have happened in the middle of the show? I still think it would have been strong enough for that to be the takeaway that you remembered for, that that you'd be remembering this morning. I Probably. understand it was the last thing that we saw, but it was a pretty strong segment.
0: Yeah, and and, and I agree with you. And here's the thing: I mentioned on the road to take over. And we talked about it a lot last week. I said, man, you lost Rhea Ripley. You lost Damian priest. Uh, no carrying cross. Cause you haven't really built the story with carrying cross for the takeover and no undisputed era. Like don't, don't, that's a lot of void. Off that show. And even though you didn't have any of those people I just mentioned, you had one hell of a, of a, of a takeover, but still the undisputed era made their presence and add that moment. And again, more importantly than anything, bully, it hooked you like you got to tune in on Wednesday. You got to find out what's next because what's next for Cole? Is it Kyle O'Reilly and the end of the undisputed? Era, are they going to find a way to make make it up? Are they going to find a way to like get back together again? Is Cole going to go? Come on, guys! You know you're standing there with Finn Balor. What the hell are you guys doing? It's about us. It's not about him. Or is this leading to Cole and Finn Balor? There's a lot we don't know. There's no answer to what we what we saw last night poses more questions than anything else.
1: And it gives creative options, which I've been talking about since day one on this show. And if if creative has options, as fans, we're going to be more intrigued to see what direction they go in. I mean, think of the possibilities of Cole versus O'Reilly, right? Yeah. Cole, O'Reilly, Balor. Uh, The tag matches, maybe uh, maybe, uh, uh, Balor and O'Reilly versus Cole and Roddy. So many potential great matchups here. Now... The wrestling can be off the charts and the story can be off the charts it's the amount of eyes that are on the product and i think nxt really has to work hard on their weekly show to encourage more people to watch their product because lately ratings wise despite the fact that we come on here every thursday and we're speaking glaringly about the nxt show the ratings are not doing that well, and I don't want to put too much emphasis on it, but it is indicative of you know what's going on, and that's why I say I feel a little bad for the NXT talent because they are they're working so freaking hard for so little return. Uh, the story that we're going to wind up getting from the Undisputed Era breakup and uh, you know Cole and O'Reilly and Balor, it's going to be it's going to be fun yeah it is it's going to be really entertaining to watch and i just hope as as many people as possible invest in it because to me that'll be the closest to doing it the right way when the story makes sense and then the payoff match makes sense and delivers
0: you know what's unfortunate for both aew and nxt when it comes to wednesday nights uh always on wednesday nights like the top You know, you look at the top shows on Wednesdays? It's not some TV show on ABC, NBC or CBS or some top streaming show on Netflix. It's what's going on politically in our world. Like they're doing a great job hooking you in on Wednesdays to tune in to, you know, into an into a new show, because it always seems like whatever developments taking place always falls on a Wednesday night and it's it's crazy to think about, but I always feel bad like Wednesdays is always like the big top news story is taking place like on a Wednesday night, and aew and NXT obviously are suffering from that because of real world issues that we're going through right now. It always seems to to find its head on a Wednesday night, so you know hopefully you know things are going to start calming down bully, I, I know we talk about it a lot. How can you not? this last year obviously the big story even in our community has been the pandemic and covid-19 and nothing no, no no sport has suffered more from this than pro wrestling i look at hockey i look at what we just saw in the super bowl i look at the nba and obviously it's got a different feel and look to it but it hasn't really hurt the product i think the lack of crowd has really hurt pro wrestling and i just want things to go back to normal just to, for for you know, obviously the safety of our country and the safety of the world. And there's been so much more important things than pro wrestling during this last year. But you you understand what I'm saying. The effects have really crippled pro wrestling in a lot of ways.
1: Uh, I don't agree with pro wrestling being as crippled as you are explaining. Pro wrestling never skipped a beat from the minute this pandemic hit. Pro wrestling always found a way. Whether it was, you know, good or not i mean i remember undertaker and steve austin doing run-ins in the performance center in front of no people and it was just like it was awful yeah you know it, it just didn't work but they they kept trying to, to find a way um i think as we get closer you know as as days go by with more vaccines and all this stuff going on i think we're going to get to the light at the end of the tunnel i think pro wrestling has done a good job adapting and i don't think it's been hurt as much yes i agree without the fans there but i think we're at the point where it I think the boys have gotten used to it. I think they've adapted pretty well. I I can I understand that. Lots of people still have jobs. That's yes. always that, that's always a good thing. That's very important. Um, and I can say from what I've seen from every show, from Ring of Honor to Impact to Raw SmackDown NXT AEW, I think each show has done its absolute best to adapt to the situation i do think ring of honor and impact need to kind of keep up with the joneses because they don't have any type of fans in uh in attendance there's no presence there whether that's a thunderdome or a or a small live audience they need to kind of you know find a way to get some people in their buildings and get a little background noise. Well, we
0: spoke to Britt Baker not too long ago. and Britt Baker said that she has spent more time with AEW during this pandemic than before this pandemic. So most of her life with AEW has been in front of this small amount of people. I, and I'm bringing this up for a reason because we, we again, every company is doing their best to, to get through this situation now that's been, we're gonna, come next month, it's gonna be a year. I really feel like NXT has done a phenomenal job with this capital, this Capital Wrestling Center. Like, I, I really forget about dealing with the pandemic. I, I love this. I I hope they continue somewhat with what we're seeing that that smoky arena feel, um, the the plexiglass where you can actually pound on the plexiglass that makes a lot of noise, like. I think you might even have been able to do it, Bully, without even having like that Thunder rome esque LED screens. Just that presence of live fans around the ring, being loud, being verbal, that smoky arena feel. I, I, I'd rather see that than what I'm seeing with the Thunderdome on Raw and SmackDown. And listen, kudos to them coming up with the Thunderdome concept. I gotta,
1: I gotta say, I like the NXT way a lot better sure the nxt uh presentation is dark and gritty and it reminds you of things like the ecw arena or the elks lodge or where atmosphere is like that i agree with you when it all comes back i want to see that same look from nxt just with a full house of people get rid of the video screens i'm not i think the video screens are an incredible um idea that they've come up with during this time whether it's the nba who did it or professional wrestling it's exactly what was needed to get by but once this is all over get rid of the video screens i don't want to see the video screens anymore the video screens don't do a damn thing for me i want to see people back in the arenas and put things back to normal um but I, i love what nxt does on wednesday nights but aew has also done a phenomenal job with the small amount of people that they let in there. As cool as it is to have NXT fans pounding on the plexiglass and the look and feel of the uh, Capitol Wrestling Center, I don't think anything is really better than those couple of hundred people in Daly's place actually singing Judas. Yeah. I mean, that to me, and, and because of what we've gone through, when I hear those couple of hundred wrestling fans singing along to Jericho's song or chanting or, or, or singing along to Jungle Boy's song, that's what I yearn for. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I,
0: I agree with you. And again, you know, kudos to all the companies for doing their best. But I do like that feel of the Capital Wrestling Center uh, for NXT. And we mentioned this before because, you know, Triple H said it. They're going to kind of try to take the lead of what – Uh, the NFL did for the Super Bowl in Tampa. Obviously, WrestleMania is going to be in the same stadium as we just saw with Super Bowl 55. And they had between 25,000 and 30,000 fans. And I thought, listen, watching that game, you could have told me that was a stadium full of 80,000 fans. I would have believed you. And I know a lot of it was the cardboard cutout. So what? If I'm the WWE, I do the same thing. I have the cardboard cutouts and have 25,000 to 30,000 fans in attendance. And I think that's enough to get us through WrestleMania 37 and actually look at WrestleMania 37 a lot like we did prior to WrestleMania 36. Hey everybody, this is Fran Fraschella, host of the podcast World of
2: Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game.
1: Markovic fires it in to Mickey, and somehow it
2: goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts.
0: You think the band's coming on at 8 p.m., but they don't come on till quarter after 8. Just builds the anticipation.
1: Tommy's yes. like the Axl Rose of Busted Open.
2: <laughs> Before you guys hit me up, I was actually watching ESPN, and twice the screens froze on ESPN. It's what you do when you do live television live radio, so it's all good.
0: No, we're having major, major ice storms throughout the country right now. I know that Texas is getting hit really, really hard. So we, we hope everyone's safe and please, if you can, stay off the roads. But, uh, Tommy, you know, one thing we didn't lose power over was the show on Saturday. I hope a lot of people, a lot of our nation members turned into no surrender. I know that it was trending. You were trending on Saturday as well. How did it feel on your birthday stepping in the ring in that championship match?
2: Uh, That whole week from what you guys did on Busted Open, I think everyone officially thinks my birthday is on a different day because (laughs) from Wednesday, then to carry it on to Thursday, to Friday, to Saturday, and then even to Sunday because for the longest time, Wikipedia, which is always wrong, had my birthday on Valentine's Day, but um, I digress. Uh, It was awesome. Um, I would like to – overwhelmed with emotions – as you know uh I sometimes cry a lot don't know if that's because of head trauma or I just because I love it um everything you saw leading up to that was probably some of the realest stuff you have witnessed on television and you know everyone taking the time to do videos or or just tweeting and just telling me or sending me pictures of like times I met them they're all flashbacks and moments uh like I said in the promo I was Wanted to give one great moment. I think a lot of people are thinking that I'm retiring, which I'm not. I am gonna take some time off, uh, which I'll get into on Wednesday. But I was I was happy with uh, the match. Um, I gotta be totally honest. When Rich hit me with, oh my God, what is going on? Why do we have refraction? When Rich hit me with um, his finish, I did not want to kick out. I had no more wind left in me. That is a big, big issue without fans because adrenaline, um, when my finger got messed up, I would have, uh, just kicked into the next gear because of the fans. So that was a big key element that I really, really did miss. And I couldn't go to that next gear. Um, You know, I was happy with the performance. I was happy with everything out. I also got kicked dead in the face and in the eye by Rich Swann when I went for a pile driver on him. And I was like, holy cow. And next thing you know, I took a handspring uh, cutter from the apron, which is an amazing move. I haven't watched the match back. Uh, I just watched, you know, clips on social media. So I'll watch it back just to to see uh, how the overall pay-per-view went because I haven't seen it.
1: After the match was over... Uh, When you were giving Swan his props, uh, Moose slid in, nailed Swan in the back of the head, hit you with a modified uh, rock bottom, um, and proceeded to stand there. Uh, Moose looks great. Phenomenal shape right now, but Moose always really looks great. And I've seen Impact hit the start-stop button on him so many times. Um, Do you have high hopes for Moose this time around?
2: absolutely and Bubba you'll pop for this I was so gassed um I noticed on one of my uh things that my shirt kind of rolled up I was so exhausted I didn't even pull my shirt down (laughs) I
1: saw the I saw the shirt roll up and I started to have an anxiety attack myself
2: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah man there's a uh, listen that pay-per-view has a lot of people talking which is good um now with new japan which has been a damaged relationship for a long long time and now that we have uh you know juice and finley in there this tuesday shows there's a lot moving forward i gotta say too rich got hurt uh in our match and like a champion he kept on you know going uh myself too it's it's funny because and Bubba can attest one time uh, you could go back and look at it. Bubba put a ladder on me and gave me a senton with a ladder and absolutely crushed me. He crushed himself. And we went in the back and we were like, whew. And I was like, dude, it felt like a Volkswagen land on me. I was like, you gotta be lighter. And he was just like, I never hit it. (laughs) And we both got hurt from hitting it with my finger. I would love to say it was this great heroic action. Uh, I just went to do a, a clothesline off the apron that I did a million times. And, Rich moved, and my own fat rolled on my own finger. So I just dislocated my own finger. Um, But I've also – I think this is the 18th finger that I've broken, so that's okay because, um, you know, I'm going to go two more fingers, and then maybe I'll call it a career.
0: You you know, Tommy, you mentioned on the show last week that this was probably your last – uh, championship match and, and who knows what's going to happen in the future like you said you're going to address some things on the show on Wednesday Tommy but uh, if that was your last championship match were you happy I know you're not happy with the outcome but are you happy with the performance
2: uh, yes and no um, I wish I had a little bit more gas in the tank uh, the match went I think 17 to 18 minutes I'm most proud of and because he's a crazy person match striker. You go back and watch that match, neither of us threw a punch and that hasn't happened in a long long time and the fact that we could keep um people's interest for the longest time and neither of us threw a punch was uh kudos to Rich and I guess I guess I'll ring my own bell. Um kudos to to the match and there was there was glimmers and moments that I loved. And then there was also like, I mean, I'm telling you, I was sucking wind and I was just like, why, why, why? And then afterwards, because I, I haven't blown up, dude, I probably haven't blown up in since the early 90s. But without fans, like you have no clue. Adrenaline is nothing. Like even if when that thing happened with my finger, if there was fans there, I probably would have been able just to keep going and – you know, but it was a combination kick to the head, your fingers killing you. And I was just like, I, I freaking need a break. I need water. Uh, and that, you know, without that adrenaline going, like sometimes with adrenaline, literally you feel nothing. Uh, I've been put through tables, falling off tops of buildings, but the crowd rush and that performance gets brought out. But without the fans there, I'm like, what the hell is going on with my body? Plus I'm also 50. That may have something to do with it.
1: The, uh, You were talking about Stryker and giving him props for what he's able to do on commentary. Um, I liked the fact that he brought up the water on the finger. Um, You know I'm critical on the show about refereeing and rules and adhering to the rules because I am a thorough believer in you can do anything and everything you want within the parameters of the rule book of pro wrestling, whether that's a 10 count or whatever. So there was a long, exaggerated pause in the middle of the match for your finger, uh, creative license, whatever. But I saw you pour water on your finger, and I thought it was extremely hokey. But then Stryker said he poured water on his finger to see if he still had feeling in it. And I was like, wow, that is such a great line and made something like pouring water on a finger. It's like when all the young boys rushed to the ring in in, in All Japan and New Japan with, like, the red bottles. Right, exactly. Um, and you know nothing is really going on, but he put credibility on it, and I thought he did a great job with that.
2: Yeah, him and d uh, have stepped up on their, on the pay-per-views, and it's added to the show on the, the TV show as well. And like I said, this was, um, I would like to say it's, uh, going to be, I don't want to say goodbye for me, but I'll be stepping away from, you know, on camera stuff for a bit and, you know, doing, it was, it, there's, a, there's so much more stories to be told. And, uh, I had my great moment, um, unless, uh, WWE needs Drew McIntyre on my 51st birthday, maybe I'll face him, uh, for giving away title shots on birthdays, who knows, but, uh, you know, it, a nice story to be told. It really was. And they did it. They did it right. And uh, I was very, very happy with all that stuff and the lead up. But I, I wish, like I said, I had more gas in the tank. And I wish that the fans were there because they would have driven me more. Maybe I would have been calling your Impact Champion. But uh, it was all right. I didn't. Uh, it's okay. And you, you sometimes, I think a match helped Rich. The match helped prolong the storyline with Rich and Moose. And I'm expendable. I don't care. They could literally, I could show up in AEW on Wednesday and be like,
1: oh, time Dreamer, where you been? Uh, one of the things that I heard on social media, a couple of fans were clamoring about, and I think even LaGreca mentioned last week, was the potential of you turning heel in this match. And I had I disagreed with it because I don't, I don't see it. I don't know why it would have happened. Um, I don't think it's you. But in your career... Have you ever considered it and what was the closest you ever came to it, if so?
2: I wanted to recently um turn on Tessa Blanchard when she was the champion, uh, because of we had, you know, COVID was going on and we had all these different scenarios and we were losing a lot of uh talent situations that I literally was just wanted to steal the Mr. Wrestling number no. two Magnum TA. And I have such a close bond with Tessa. And I was just like, hey, it would be really, really cool if Tessa gives me a title shot. Like, I was just going to basically, like, go to step away and like, hey, I want to retire. And she basically, and y- you've done this, <clears throat> I I want to get out, but she doesn't let me. And then I beat her. And then it would be my heat was, you know, I took advantage and beat someone who trusted me plus like i beat a woman who would be my heat as well and then i wanted to i believe i think you know get involved back with eddie edwards and then put the title on eddie uh that wound up eventually happening but they just that was something the only person you have to have you know this you have to have a close connection uh with somebody to turn on them to get you know, some real heat. So that's kind of what I wanted to do. Uh, you, you've done it with Devon and impact wrestling and it meant something when it turns only when they're real or they mean something, that's, that's the best way to do it. So Tessa was about the closest I really wanted to turn on her and uh, it didn't happen. Maybe we'll have to do it another time. But uh, besides that, maybe I just go away as a career babyface and call it a career.
0: Uh, Really quick to Tommy outside of the main event match with you and Rich Swann, uh, somebody who we spoke with on your birthday show jazz had an amazing performance once again on Saturday. It's unbelievable what she's been able to do on this last run.
2: And with no knees, I'm telling you, uh, and I could see it. Her knees are bad and that's why she was retiring. Like I asked her, was it, you know, she was like, it's just my time. I don't want to embarrass myself. And I mean, and again, jazz was just supposed to come in for two shows and it just kept on turning out that, you know, get, uh, you have more. And then she's like, I feel good. She's been training super hard. I, I see her and she's like, I'm actually in the ring, you know, practicing and, and like getting more reps and more time. And, you know, it's, it is, it's a great story that she's telling. And, you know, I love that stuff. I love that stuff about impact wrestling. Um, you know, everyone wants to crap all over bill goldberg he gave us a nice moment and and bill goldberg deserves that and and you know jazz deserves that hell i the scenario that played out for me if that was my last match i'm okay with that because it they gave me nice moments and i gave the fans and people hitting me up on social media to be trending when you're not dead is a good thing so uh i like that
0: (laughs) that is good and then uh, quickly Tommy uh, before we let you go and thanks for the time we appreciate it can't wait to talk to you on Wednesday as well Um, this this I mean just a fascinating relationship with AEW and now New Japan as well seems to be coming to ahead right now
2: yeah um, that uh, you know it's funny I, I watched trends and you watch that stuff the moment that impact trending starts to go down as soon as that video hit it was like what the hell are we going to see and impact wrestling has done a great job of kind of doing guardians of the galaxy where you think the show is over and then oh my god here it comes and you know it's it's great storytelling in the sense of what are you going to see come tuesday and you know the not a lot of people you know get the channel watch it but everyone was talking about it and like i always say man you know saturday was impact's day sunday was nxt's day Hopefully tonight is Raw's day, and that's the beauty of professional wrestling and and why we all love it. We love to talk about it.
0: Tommy, thanks so much for the time, man. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.
2: Thanks, guys.
1: Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, Channel 156, the Busted Open Podcast.